0: Time to show the world a top is what I strive for. Greatness is a journey I'm willing to strive for. Consistency is key, and I don't take no time more, Against the odds, I put it all on the line for. A lesson learned for every flaw I'm gonna make. Consequence I undertake. putting all my trust and fate. you won't become my fate. Since I down, I never fall.
1: Give it all or reach my goal. that's my name is stone, when my story's told, say I did it for Let's Dive into the ideas. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and you updated your list. So it seems like you had a few better ideas, right? And I just had a very quick look and they seem super interesting. So what's the deal with the numbering?
0: Oh, I reordered them in terms of like more interesting to talk so that we don't get exhausted towards the end and talk about the good ideas.
1: Yeah, but do we now start like at the top or with number Yeah, one? just top down. Okay, perfect. Then mm. this is the most interesting one, you would say. Yeah, I'm just excited to talk about it, yeah. Okay, it's design assessment platform, enterprise code abide, but for UX, UI designers.
0: Yeah, so the thinking behind this is there's a lot of uh, code assessment tools for developers, like how skilled are they? Can we hire them like with this amount of certainty that they'll do their job well? But for design, I guess the only equivalent is just their portfolios. So I was thinking, is there a way to assess more like quantifiably or uh, more across the board the same way in, in a repeatable fashion with some sort of uh, test or quiz? So it doesn't have to be like multiple choice, but it could be something like imagine a, a sketch or any like design tool that these, these designers usually use. But instead of it being free form, like you're asking them to reproduce some you give them a prompt like make this future or how would you design this like given this uh, problem or bug or just more realistic and more kind of uh, bounded and then yeah I think the main benefit is that it's similar it's a similar thing you're giving to all designers right now I think it's very subjective you see their branding and past previous projects they've done and you're trying to imagine how they would apply that to your company Uh, but it, it might not be the best fit, so.
1: Yeah, sounds reasonable. And how does it work on Codabyte? So are the tests evaluated automatically or is some person looking at it? I believe they already
0: have answers,
1: yeah. They, or I, I
0: have never used it, the enterprise version. So how what the companies are seeing on their side. But I assume that there is some execution time and there's tests that they run against their algorithm or whatever solution they've implemented. So yeah, with the design, I mean, if there's equivalent ways to quantify that, like, it could even be like, you know, design, what from memory, like design what the YouTube video player looks like, or where you put the buttons, and then you can kind of, you could quantify like, how far away are the buttons? Like, is it in the right order? But there's, it's very vague at this point. I'm just trying to Run it by you and see, see what people think.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think the, the main problem is really how to assess um, mm-hmm. the quality of uh, like the challenges because, of course, yeah, I, I guess it's easier with coding, right, compared to design. At least that would be my impression that you can automate it more. And there are clearer standards compared to design probably, right? So you would need a lot of manpower, to, to do the assessments and are you a designer so
0: yes i have designed things in the past but i'm not a professional designer by title okay so I'd, I'd have to bring on some you know yeah and design officers whatever
1: have you ever looked for a designer job
0: well, yes as a ux designer yes as, oh. for like contract work okay mm-hmm.
1: and how did it work so they really just looked at your portfolio or did you have to do any tests I
0: did not do any sort of assessment or test. It was more like off of a recommendation from other people. They did see my website. I did have a website up. So I'm assuming they looked at that and just shows that there's some sort of presence. They get a sense of what it was in the past. There's a lot of factors that go into the decision, obviously. But I think for enterprise, like they want something that's repeatable and consistent and and, they might have a better use for something like this. But yeah. I don't know, I, unless they're super unhappy with the quality of designers that they're getting, which I don't think they are, that's another
1: point to assumption to, to validate. Yeah, so what I personally always find a bit strange is coders can get all the cool stuff. So for example, there's Code Mentor, there's Codabyte, right? There are these mm-hmm. amazing tools, but for some reason they only seem to work or at least exist in the coding niche. Mm. And I'm not sure why that's the case because it's very easy to imagine something like Code Mentor or Codabite in like any niche. And the key question is, why doesn't exist it, right? And I looked into it when I still did physics. And of course, then I tried to find out if there's is there something like this for science, right? Mm. So I don't know, science mentor or whatever. And it, that simply doesn't exist. And I'm honestly convinced that this is a cool opportunity and, but there seems to be a reason I'm not understanding why it doesn't seem to be working or I don't know. Do you have any thoughts Mm -hmm. on that? Do you, have you found like similar tools in a different niche, not just the coding niche, because there seems to be something special about it? I have not done as much deep research into this, but
0: I'm assuming like the position itself for developers pays high. So there's more room there for, I mean, it's, it's more valuable to hire the right person at that price. And I mean, but designers and product managers in similar tech positions are garnering similar salaries. So I think that part we be justified. I guess the only part is how hard is it to make these prompts and how how do people agree upon existing, like for coding, there's all these algorithms existing, like kind of methods and ways of testing and quantifying, like we said, but... With designing, I mean, there are pr- core principles of design, like white space, like color. You could automate the color, like contrast, Did they pick the right colors. Uh, there are aspects of this that could easily be done. But I, I just, I don't know why there isn't already uh, a platform like this. So yeah. your guess is good as mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it always puzzles me. Do you have like serious plans to do something in that direction? Or is it just a random idea?
0: So uh, this first month, January, I'm just trying to get all these ideas out into the world and see if anyone, you know, similar, like-minded is either interested in working on them with me, or I just need to prioritize which ones to validate now, you know, to take the effort and go and reach out to desiring design hiring officers or the, the related validation audience. Like, so it depends. Yeah, I I'm just having a difficulty like picking which of these ideas to go and validate and commit yeah. that time to speaking with people. Right. But for this one, I could see myself enjoying talking with the design hiring officers because you know, worst case, I just learned how they hire designers and that's a useful skill, you know, regardless if you're starting a business or need design of your own. So
1: yeah, I'm just trying to think about how to start it. And because Mm -hmm. ideally, of course, you need both sides and that's very tough, right? To get both Mm -hmm. sides on board, especially like on Codabyte, you want to get the companies on board, right? And Mm -hmm. then it gets valuable because you only get the designers if the companies see value in the test results. I would imagine if, if you need like the credibility from that side, but I guess it's probably very hard. To, to get this kind of credibility as a total outsider. So it probably would help a lot if you were like, I don't know, well-connected in Silicon Valley. If you had like VC money, if you had the y Combinator tag, something like that, because yeah, it sounds like a marketplace problem and chicken egg, how to start. I would be scared <laughs> to start it because it sounds very, very tough to me, to be honest.
0: Yeah, you need some highfalutin board members to kind of push this and say, hey, uh, this has been proven. And yeah, I think a lot of these are like, you won't know the full effect of it until like maybe a year or six months into that person's hiring. And then they would have to see a noticeable difference between that hiring process versus the existing one. Yep. Am I really getting that many more diverse or, you know, well-qualified designers this way? Or is it just kind of a cool tool and only certain types of designers are interested in being assessed this way? So yeah yeah there, there's a validation on both sides you're right do designers want to be tested this way or do they just want to keep making the things they like making anyways and put that under portfolio
1: yeah i think like no one likes tests to be honest right mm-hmm. so at least that would be my impression that people only would be interested in doing it if it actually helps their careers and it only helps their careers if you already have like companies on board so i, I feel like there are multiple miracles that need to be happen for this to work Um like the product alone is very very tough to pull off so like you said you need to come up with these prompts you need to find a way to evaluate them in a standardized way and scaling that sounds tough (laughs) and even if you manage to pull that off it's still not clear if you can get any company on board i don't know how that world works but sounds very tough and these are at least two miracles right yeah (laughs) that need to happen so depending of course, how well connected you are. But at least if you're like me, just sitting in a small town in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) I wouldn't touch it. So that's my opinion here. And I think actually the next idea on your list sounds a lot more viable for like an independent maker and also maybe a bit more fun and straightforward. So I really like that. Sure. Let's move on. Yeah, I just wanted to ask: Is it okay if we move on, or do you want to say any more, uh, oh, anything else? my on last thing topic? is:
0: you know, if someone wants to do that, take that idea, make adventure scale. Please steal these ideas. Like I'm not beholden to any of these. I would love to see these in the world. Doesn't have to be through me. Yeah,
1: that's why I'm talking about these openly. So that's that's an amazing mindset. Yeah. Okay. Then the next idea is speed runs of non-games. Games don't quick, but for other digital activities. And I just clicked on the link that you added to the list. And it's a Twitch channel, right? Games yeah, GDQ. 3. It's
0: amazing. They do these like long marathons. They have some announcers that kind of are commenting on the intricacies of the game. And then there's the, obviously the gamer who's like God level, you know, just finding all these loopholes, doing things so technically accurate in whatever game and just completing it in a miracle, miraculous amount of time. So like Mario in like an hour or Zelda in like three hours, which would normally take people like weeks or months. And they get a lot of donations. I'm not sure their business model, but they they get a lot of donors. They're usually for some sort of cause like cancer research or good good causes. And it's a very big community as well. There's a community aspect. So obviously gamers, it fits for Twitch. So I just had the thought that there are a lot of things that more boring things that are not games that people do and they're hacks just similar in in the game world and I'm curious like very curious always how people do their things there's so many different ways but I I would just be curious who has the fastest time to deploy a website or like the fastest time it takes someone to make a newsletter like or something more unique and and interesting and there could be all, and those would serve as the uh, metaphors for games like instead of Zelda you got email launch or
1: Yeah, so I I wanted to ask you about examples and like creating a website is a great one. But what I think could be a really cool twist on the idea is because, you know, there are lots of discussions, people get very passionate about what kind of tech you should use, which kind of tool you should use. For example, when it comes to creating a website, because some people say, you should use React, right? Create a spa app. Or as I say, just use Rails. There are so many options and beginners are totally confused. And so what I think would be really amazing if you can get these experts in the different technologies and then, yeah, let's build the same websites using different approaches and let's see who's the fastest, who, Mm -hmm. who who does it best, whatever. And I once found this on GitHub, which was like a standardized project and it was built like probably a to-do list app, um, which is like the benchmark always. And like a collection of GitHub repositories where the same to-do list app was built with different technologies. that alone was pretty cool to look at. Like how much code actually do you need to pull this off in a given technology? And doing the speed run with different um, technologies as could be super valuable and super fun, especially as a beginner, but also just for entertainment to see how different experts would approach the problem. But another idea that came to my mind is, of course, you have like these note-taking tools, right? Which is a super hot topic. And there's mm-hmm. Roam, there's Evernote, there's Notion. People get passionate. Obsidian, yeah. Ex- exactly. And a while ago, I just searched for the tweet and Ned Eliason posted on Twitter, open challenge for a live notes tool utilization contest. I represent <laughs> Roam research. Someone can represent Evernote or Notion. Audience chooses a topic we agree on. Then we have 30 minutes to put together the best outline possible on the topic using only our tool. So mm-hmm. this is, is along these lines I, I just yeah. mentioned, right? And I never saw that. Yeah. The, unfortunately, the, the discussion went then in a little bit different direction. And I don't think it ever happened because someone tagged Andy. I don't know if you know him. He's like famous in the, in the note-taking world. Mm-hmm. And someone tagged him and said he should represent himself because he's using a very unique system and he said oh i'm not interested in that because whatever i'm i'm just interested in coming up with novel ideas and not just churning out content whatever right so the content and the discussion went in a different direction and i don't think it ever took off but just as little validation the tweet got 144 likes so (laughs) there's some interest there and yeah. is this along those lines you had in mind, or how would you imagine these speed runs?
0: Yeah, precisely. That's exactly something uh, that people could compare and, and see how, how these pro gamers or pro users are utilizing these apps. And it serves as marketing for these softwares or products that they're using. Just as GDQ, it, it serves as marketing for the games themselves. Like people want to play them and maybe try these hacks. But yeah, the, I think the main problem is obviously games. I mean, there's a case for playing games the most beautifully and not the most quickly, but there's not many people willing to spend the time to watch that because it's it could be a lot longer. So that that quick the optimization for quickness it also serves the audience in watching it. And you know, obviously, who wants who doesn't want to save time? But yeah, there's the. Maybe the Dalai Lama would disagree. They'd be like, oh, I want the happiest game experience, not the, hap- not the quickest one. But that's, you know, you could have a competition for that too. Like maybe right. one that leads to the best. But it's also hard to quantify, which is another back to that kind of point where you can really compare. I, I think another pro- issue is, you know, people, I mean, yeah, it gets contentious, right? People are, you know, even with React, Vue, and, and Angular, they get very, they really love their, their method of doing things. And yeah, it could lead to the wrong kind of incentives. That oh, like you know, you're only trying to protect like what you believe in. And but yeah, so we can just have the big disclaimer that this is only for pure fun and for quickness. Like, don't take this out of hand. You know, use this yourself. Like, go a different route.
1: Yeah, of course. Like it's the internet, and some do will get haters and mean comments, probably but i don't think you should care in general about this kind of stuff and just ignore it but yeah i absolutely love the idea and because for example i'm doing like a podcast right now and i would love to see the workflow of like the of people more experienced because i bet there are so many little tricks i know nothing about and just to see how different people approach it and the fastest way to go from zero to a polished half-an-hour podcast episode would be so cool. Also for newsletters, there are so many different angles you could take, not just programming, but really, yeah, as you, like you said, all non-games, right? All interesting digital activities. And it's super easy to start. You just have to invite the people. You don't <laughs> yeah. even have to do the work yourself. You just have to come up with a prompt and then organize it. And yeah, and people will drum up the marketing role for you so you don't have to do it yourself, right? That's yeah. the that's cool thing. You can get people like Nat Eliason on board and probably would be interested because it's a great opportunity for him to promote his Rome course, right?
0: Exactly. Because
1: it's the kind of people you should be targeting if you want to pull it off, like people with some audience and something to sell. So either because they created their own tool that they want to um, promote or a course. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it could be uh, the perfect platform to them to promote it and for us could be really fun to watch of course the key question then is how do you monetize how do you make money because it sounds like a fun project but is it a f- project or actually a product a business right
0: right i mean it's kind of like a tutorial but under the context the guise of the ticking clock so there's this anticipation it's entertainment essentially that's a category that gdq is in and in the context of Twitch, they pay donations and bits. So for this thing, maybe you, you pay the ex- I mean, the experts pay to be uh, featured as like competitors, like, like in a NASCAR race, right? They, I'm sure the NASCAR organizations gets paid by the racing teams because they're doing all the marketing for this. They set up the contest. They have the track field. So essentially this product would be the track field. And then you're just having these high speed engines and drivers come in and show which, you know, they're all driving similar cars and just trying to see who can, you know, complete the course of assets. So.
1: Yeah. You, you couldn't do that at the beginning, right? Not, not Mm -hmm. just at the start, but once you have like proven the concept, I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Try like like a starting fee for people Mm -hmm. who want to get involved. And of course there are many variables you need to consider, like how many people um, you invite per race, I, I have no idea what would work best and how to pull this off. But I would love to see it. So do it. <laughs> you asked which okay. idea you should do. And I mean, as I said, it's so low risk. You you, you have nothing to lose. You, there's nothing you have to like invest or whatever. Just reach out to a few people and see what they say. If they would be interested. And I mean, for them, it would be time invested of maybe an hour or so, right? It's it sounds like a win-win and I really like it. All right, that's the highest indication from Jacob so far on any yeah. of these. <laughs> I of would that. love to see it, yeah. I want to see the tricks of people who can it, do it better than me. So, yeah. Awesome. On to the next. Okay. Homes homeschooling extracurricular activities have homeschooled kids socialize more.
0: Right, so there's a big trend for homeschooling especially during COVID and you know, the, the main problem that I, I've talked to my girlfriend about, oh, if we have kids, like, would we homeschool? How do you feel about that? And, you know, a lot of people have said this in different ways, but homeschooling kids, if they are taught that way for too long in an isolated environment, they don't have the social skills that people get from middle and high school, which you could argue is not that useful because they're just gossiping and, you know, dating and doing all this human stuff. But, uh, but not like academic pursuits but you know that's it really is important to a degree because you know all of our interactions friendships you know networks is based on that kind of shared understanding the social capital so i'm just debating like how many of these homeschooling families like do they really focus on those social curriculums and uh, you know if it might be easier to have the homeschooled kids interact with each other. So fellow homeschooled kids, You know, they would understand each other better. They could go on field trips. You could organize those. You could kind of localize and, and crowdsource these activity ideas from parents and connect them to each other. And that could lead to them sharing other things like actual curriculum. But I was, I was initially focusing on the extracurricular activities because I see that as an issue with a, a problem that people that aren't homeschooling yet would have like they're, they're thinking that in the back of their mind like oh like I don't really want my kid to be a typical homeschooled kid and and you know how long and lower, and, yeah <laughs> yeah so that I've, I've mixed characterized I'm sure there's great homeschool kids that like you know somehow they have a lot of siblings or something but there is that element there's that interaction that's going on at an early age that's so crucial
1: yeah so I as, as, as you said that I just remembered that yeah, six days ago, Thiago Forte sent out an email. And you know him? He's yes, right, the yeah, second brain exactly mm-hmm. guy. And he it was basically just like an ad for schoolhouse, it's called. It's a company that focuses on micro schools. So mm-hmm. it's also because as you said, like his homeschooling, yeah, so it's a tough issue because I'm personally the biggest critic of like these the the school system that we have, I'm I I really hate it. Like almost every aspect of it, it's so ineffective. You have like the wrong people teaching, the people who want to teach can't teach, and wrong incentives everywhere. Most of the people, most most of the uh, kids are not in- interested in anything, and like everyone gets pulled down. You, yeah, it's. it's it's a, it's a long, long topic. And like, I'm I'm getting a bit older and of course starting to think about getting kids at some point. And yeah, you start to question yourself, do I really want to send my kids to a regular school? And for me, the answer is no, I, I don't <laughs> want to. And then you start looking for alternatives. And since I'm living in Germany, it's very tough because we, yeah, you can't homeschool. It's simply not allowed by law. <laughs> oh, wow, I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> It's, it's tricky here. And I know a few people who then, yeah, get into these legal battles and there are certain loopholes you can use, whatever. But what is more interesting is that how do you actually pull off this homeschooling thing? Because is it just you talking to your kids? I think that's a horrible idea, right? Because the whole point is that kids need like lots of influences, not just, yeah, and you don't know everything and you probably can do better stuff with your time and there are certain mm-hmm. stuff uh, there is there are certain topics where you are excited to talk about and then it's a great but great idea that you should do it but it yeah probably doesn't make sense like i said that just you and i really like this idea of yeah f- finding small groups of like-minded people and then pulling it off together and then yeah do what, what, what basically what they describe here so i didn't look into it but like mi- microschool it gets organized decentralized or with some kind of framework Sounds, sounds super awesome. And I also remembered that someone wanted to do something like this for remote workers or for digital nomads, because they have like this problem at an extreme scale because yeah, they're traveling around all the time. So what do you do with your kids? And the the mm. idea then was that you, yeah, have, a, have like a platform where then digital nomads can meet or can like organize small events for their kids. Yeah. Basically also again, like macro schools. We are all currently in Bangkok, 10 10 parents, let's get our kids together, organize some kind of teaching structure, maybe hire experts, maybe do some teaching ourselves. And yeah, I'm all for decentralization. And I think that could also really help to uh, solve like the extracurricular problem because yeah, radical homeschooling just you (laughs) is sounds, sounds, sounds not like a good idea, but I, Mm Was It was a long tangent <laughs> coming back no. to your idea. How exactly would you pull off these homeschooling extracurricular at- activities?
0: Yeah, so I'd, I'd probably assess, you know, what are current public school systems? Like where are they sending their kids? And what kind of alternatives could you have in more suburban environments? Could you help them with booking some of these logistics? You know, when you're talking about I just thought that, you know, with homeschooling, you're, you're essentially giving to the parents the power of the school boards. So like, you know, deciding what is best uh, for the kids, like all of this is you're giving that to them and they're not really fully suited with the right tools and the, the, the teaching and the experience around that. So that's a separate related idea. But yeah, with the extracurricular activities, you got to just collect all the varieties of places that they could visit think of activities for them to do shared questions that they could answer assign some homework related to that and probably have the right chaperones like people who could really passionately explain you know this particular museum and yeah it's a very early idea so it was meant to just go riff on
1: (laughs) yeah so i think yeah if you if you start this kind of infrastructure then do the whole school thing, right? Not just the, the extracurricular activities, because mm-hmm. as I said, I think the problem not just exists with these extracurricular activities, but with the schooling itself. And yeah. so I really like the, the micro school idea. And I didn't even read the email completely. I just saw this general idea and then it clicked. This sounds like a solution yeah. to, to-
0: Elon Musk is sending his kids to some like pod system and they, the person in charge of that is like launching their own company. So yeah, there should be more entrance into that field for sure. But I I just noted this niche because maybe it could more easily shoehorn into what homeschoolers are already doing. You're just adding that extracurricular part because I'm sure right now they just go on trips with their parents and that's not as exciting, you know, because you talk with fellow kids differently than you do with your parents. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. And
0: there's even virtual tours like virtual opera, virtual like Google Arts and Culture. So that's more of a COVID thing. Temporarily, you could
1: try. It sounds definitely like a useful idea, but again, something like that's probably tough to pull off. So, I mean, if you have kids, I do not. Yeah, I mean, you can just do it, right? You can just mm-hmm. try to organize it, get some learnings, and then I don't know, try to, to build from there. But like as a total outsider, I'm not sure <laughs> if, you're, yeah. if, you, if you're the right person to tackle.
0: Right. To tackle this. Right. On the other coin, maybe I'm naive enough to think that I could do something about it because I don't <laughs> have kids yet. <laughs> right. So yeah, I hope someone improves that experience for sure. Because I, I for sure would also like to homeschool and I have not the slightest clue where to start. Uh, it's very intimidating to me. I just believe that you know two people going against a long standing Decades-long system,
1: trying to do have better results. It's it's very intimidating, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would be 100% confident that I, I can do better than any school, but yeah. that doesn't mean that it would be optimal. And mm-hmm. like I said, I I would prefer this a pod solution, collaborating with a with a small group of like-minded people, and then hiring experts whenever there it makes sense for specific topics. And yeah, going where the energy is, hearing what the kids are interested in and then focusing on that um, trying to improvise is, I think, yeah, but it's really a separate topic schooling mm-hmm. and I love talking about it. I'm, I get really passionate about the whole education system. That's yeah, one of my favorite topics. Okay. The next thing on your list is piggyback distribution micro-influencer marketing gets Slack, Discord, subreddit, active community members to hunt your product?
0: Right. So this is, again, a very early fuzzy idea, but I had the issue where when I was trying to launch something, I was already a part of a lot of Slacks and Discords and subreddits, but I didn't invest, the, you know, the the often uh, quoted advice is you have to invest the time, be a recognized member of these communities to share it and and get it be receptive for others to be receptive to it unless you know they have like a specific marketing channel which no one really checks except other people pushing their products (laughs) so i was thinking like is there a way just as in product hunt there's hunters and they kind of like bring this legitimacy to your launch is there a way to get people who are just active on these slacks and discords to kind of vouch for your idea and they post it on their behalf so you got their profile icon their username posting your link and because they vetted it and they agree with it and yeah it it gets a little bit fuzzy because then uh, if they do this too much then they become themselves disrespected. but for certain like very good matches like spark toro has has like a search engine for you know, like which influencers on Twitter and various platforms are a good match for this specific SEO term. And maybe that could apply to, they could add to that all these other community platforms like Slack, Discord. They're a bit harder to get access to and scrape the data that's needed to understand which users are high uh, signalers to this community. But it's, it's definitely like hidden and I know that there are very active members they're not really interested in monetizing, and it's not probably at the fir- uh, forefront of their mind, so that would be the main issue. But I think there is an opportunity there, like if, if they were willing, and maybe this is already being done, but just more like on a one-to-one basis, like a very
1: occasionally.
0: So it's not too frequent of an issue, but yeah.
1: Yeah, interesting. Say like, of course, distribution is something everyone is struggling with, and everyone would like better marketing, and, getting honest shout outs from people with a large or even small following certainly works. It works wonders. So I'm curious what in your opinion, the, the missing link is so what is missing in the current ecosystem? Because I mean, you can already reach out to people and people are doing this like on Twitter, you get a DM, Hey, I did this. You might like it, check it out. In the most boring form and also better forms of course. And it's not very systematic but it certainly works. So how would you streamline the process or what do you think is missing?
0: Right. So to to DM effectively, I feel like you have to do the right searches, like advanced search on Twitter or, and, and to do that for each of the platforms it's very difficult. And for these Slack communities, Discord communities, it's pretty hard to search them. If you were on their Discover page, you could find a public group maybe, but there's a lot of them that are private. And I think that's the more interesting one because people are, are particularly more engaged there. You need an invite link and you may not already be in that community. So how do you reach those like kind of private pools that have been formed and so, getting access to
1: those? Yeah, so first of all, I have two questions for you. Are you an active member or fan of any particular Slack or Discord? And the second question is, what are your experiences with these private groups compared to public ones?
0: Yes. To the first question, I'm in like a jelly community. It's for like academics who, it was started by like a previous YC founder with like a Kickstarter for academic projects type platform. And that one is very small and inv- invites are like, you know, every so often. Discord, I just joined the newsletter club. They have a Discord that's a bit bigger, but also paid. And your second question was, was what again? It, am I?
1: Your experiences with private communities compared to public ones. Oh, right.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the public ones, people are not as engaged. They check very infrequently because it, it was so little friction to get into them. They don't really have incentive to check, them, check on them. I'm sure that people who are entering these private communities, they already are in a lot already, because they're familiar with Slack, Discord, all these, these platforms. And they have these desktop applications, which means they're not just using it for one channel. So, you know, there's, there's a prioritization they're doing on their own time, like, oh, I'm going to check these, I'm going to have email newsletter notifications from these specific channels. I mean, my experience with them is that they're awesome. And, you know, I would continue paying for them or, I'm glad that I was invited to some of them. Like like Jason Calacanis has a twist slack for like his podcast. And I think that's like, you have to invite, but it's pretty easy. You don't have to pay. You just like reach out to that person. But even in that sense, like you're the one reaching out and it's not just for everyone. And yeah, there's, there's just a lot of people that are, are checking those. It's, I just don't know how often. And it's, there needs to be probably this this kind of idea would probably need better analytics so that you understand what you're getting when you, if you were to pay for someone to like help you, help you distribute. So
1: yeah, very interesting because this is something I've tried to understand myself. So just the, the private community stuff, because so far I I've not found a single one where I would say it's better than like the public ones. And, in my experience, most private communities are exactly the same as the public ones, just with less activity. <laughs> wow. Even paid ones. So I don't know what it is, but I tried quite a few. And yeah, this is really the summary. It's, I, I, I can see no difference to well managed public ones. The only thing is that there are less people and less activity in general. That's, that's <laughs> my two cents on private. But, but maybe. I'm just in the wrong ones. Whenever someone brings up this this topic, I have to ask which ones do work for you or you find enjoyable and whatever. And of course, like you also have the problem that just today I saw someone complain about on Twitter again and a few people agreed. And I definitely agree is that Slack and Discord communities are so confusing. So this is another problem I'm struggling with. So I have no idea how to keep up with it. Yeah. Right. Uh, How do I check... A Discord community. Maybe I'm just stupid, but there are all these channels and everywhere is new. I don't know. How do you read that? Maybe I'm just too old, but <laughs> it's very strange for me to understand. And I think it would be much better to if there were just one channel or two, maybe one announcement channel and one general discussion channel. But like everyone who creates a new community gets super excited and creates dozens of channels and I don't know what it is, but I see the same problem everywhere. And Interesting that you found value in private communities. Mm-hmm. Cool to hear. And yeah, I don't want to talk bad about any communities here, but just my, my two cents. And coming back to your idea, it's, of course, I would say almost impossible to get these kind of analytics data you're, you're looking for, right? Because it's private. You, you would need access to them. And then you still. Yeah couldn't, couldn't like scrape it because, or it would be super tough. I don't know. Yeah. Also the question would be how much of a benefit it would be because like these private communities are so much smaller and how much would it be worth to you to get a shout out in a Slack channel with, I don't know, 50 members. Right. How much is that worse? Of course it depends on who's in there and it's very hard to measure. But yeah, I'm, so I like the general idea of uh, influencer marketing. And I know that there are tools that just aggregate, for example, Instagram influencers and TikTok influencers. And these are just these databases with analytics and contact information, and they are doing very well. And it's a great business model. And I'm not sure how well they do on the long tail, right? For micro-influencers, if they just include the big guys, but probably if they already have the tech They also have at least some long tail guys. So yeah, would be interesting, like just to try it, but would be very tough to get the data and also like a price point, because as I said, on the one hand, how much is this kind of shout out worth to you? But on the other hand, how much would you need to pay someone to make it? Or if you, if you pay at all, but if you want to systemize it, this is the way to go, right? Because they can't do many of them and each time they put their credibility on the line. So it, it seems tough. Just in this example, what would you be willing to pay for this kind of shout out?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the true question there. I mean, I mean, I would pay, hmm, I mean, a couple, bu- couple, you know, tens of dollars, like maybe no more than a hundred, depending on the audience size. And yeah, there's no like click-through rate or open rate. Like there's no way to know who's read these and yeah, I just wanted to say back to the whole, like, do I like private communities? I definitely think I'm, I'm super hyper aware, self-aware that I've paid for this community. And so like, I check it because I want that value to, I want to return on that value almost. So it's, a, it's almost like guilting yourself into to checking it and that incentivizes you to start using it. I also think a lot of, at least me personally, how I use it, there's so many channels you're right. I click on the channel because I want to speak in it, not because I'm checking to see, oh, what's up? Because a general one, it's always, there's like announcements and stuff. So it's, it's I'm sure a lot of people are less self-serving than me, but that's personally how I use it. So it's it's true. The, the way I check it is not really checking it because I'm already checking email with all these promotion, update, primary tabs. There's all these tabs on everywhere. So another random I thought I had with indie hackers is, the benefit of that is it's public, and then you have these profiles where you see the list of contributions and interactions they've had. With Slack and Discord, it's so conversational. You click on their profile; it just shows you their their image and their name. That's it. Like there's no like history of, of what they've spoken on, what they've reacted to. That could be a separate, you know, a plugin or something. Maybe if you want to, actually turn these more into a like a, a track list of these community members, but. Yeah, I, I would pay for sure, but I think, yeah, it's not, not such a great idea, but I just, I just, I just like the idea that there are, we don't, we don't think of these people as influencers, but they all have, everyone has their own little influence and it's just a matter of what makes them an influencer is like being able to sell that and have the data on, you know, how valuable it is. So if you could unlock that, then you would have more influencers, I believe. Yeah, definitely.
1: But it's <laughs> very, very tough to, to pull off. And mm-hmm. like what you said with with the plugin, it's certainly interesting. But to me, the real the real challenge is someone should just build something better than Slack or Discord or whatever, because I think they really suck for communities in general. There's so much room for improvement. And currently, everyone says Circle is the way to go. But... I don't get it. Circle is just an old school forum. That's it. There's zero improvement. If you use like these old school PHP forum software and use a modern team, it's Circle. Right? And it costs you nothing. And Circle costs you 40 bucks a month. So I honestly Mm -hmm. don't know what the advantage is. And I'm a member in a few Circle communities. But yeah, I I, I don't see any difference. Right? Mm -hmm. Are you in the Circle community?
0: I started one. I have not joined one. Just to just to see, and yeah, I guess the they take care of that pricing, like the payment for you, and then you have some admin abilities. But yeah, it, it seemed very similar to Slack. Like you have oh, the oh, channels that, on the left. Oh, that's
1: not true. Yeah, that's not true. They don't do the memberships for you. Do you have to use a plugin? As far as oh online? really? Yeah. So oh. I just tried to remember who told me about this, but I was also shocked when I when I heard that that they actually haven't like figured this part out. Let me check. Don't want I to know Daniel,
0: it. when I spoke with Daniel Hunter, he, he mentioned circle. And after we hung up, I just started one immediately just to try it out. Cause it was very, fr- it was, it was free trial and very easy to set up.
1: Yeah. Here it says SSO with member stack and member space. So you still have to use member stack and member space, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a completely set, which is the part that actually handles the memberships. It's it's not what they are offering. You still have to pay for member stack and MemberSpace, and you could do the same. You can use member stack, of course, with any other forum software too. So right. it's not really a selling point. Yeah. So what did you like about Circle?
0: Well, I created my own and I'm the only member in it. So <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it that much. I guess it was cool to have your own like web URL whereas Slack, you would have to kind of, it's, it's more steps with Slack. Uh, Discord, if you already have the app, then it just opens the channel in your app. So there are some benefits to that, having something to easily share like that. I don't know, I mean, it it wasn't that special. I haven't checked it back uh, since, and I don't intend on paying for it. I just wanted to give it a shot starting a community. So I've been doing morning pages, and it's like I I was trying to do them verbally, like with transcription uh, via otter.ai while walking. So it's like a talking and walking self-reflection exercise. Wanted to see if anyone else was interested in that tactic and talking about their experience, but nope. I didn't, (laughs) didn't push it as much either. So
1: yeah. Okay. I might the only one. Yes, you are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so I'm getting used to that with anything I launch, just talking to myself, being in a
1: echoing cave and being comfortable (laughs) with that. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point about growing up, right? Getting comfortable with rejections and whatever. And I yeah. just, just checked like for the first time the circle communities I'm a member in and yeah, nothing has changed since the last time I checked them. So it's, as I said, I can't see any difference to old school forums and I don't know what the buzz is about, but I still think someone should create an alternative to Discord and Slack and whatever. And in my opinion, Circle is, isn't, isn't it? And a funny, a funny example is Daniel Wessello, And he started also one, right? But he's mm-hmm. using it just as his personal blog. It's a very strange use case. He's using <laughs> Circle, it, it's really true. It's, it's just a paid blog that, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure.
0: And you can comment on it. I guess it takes care of that, you know, you just.
1: Yeah, but it's rather strange to use Circle for a personal blog. Um, Mm -hmm. But if it's working, so I think the possibility, As since he's working at Gumroad, he has to use like Gumroad for the payment part. And probably it's more difficult to do it with Ghost or Substack, right? You can't use Gumroad for the payment. So if you want to do a paid blog, usually I would say use Substack, use Ghost. But as far as I know, using Gumroad for the payments is not possible or easy, so this, is my hypothesis why he ended up with Circle as his personal blog, but okay.
0: That, that's fascinating. I gotta check yeah. that out.
1: So, I guess the
0: SEO would be bad because you can't just land on an individual article. You have to like go to the Circle community and then find the.
1: Yeah, but I don't that, know if those
0: are findable on Google. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if
1: it's a paid community anyway, right? So, yeah, then it's it's not indexable any, in, anyway in any way. Okay this was a long tangent so on to the last idea it's uh, you wrote be my guest play at exclusive member only places primarily golf clubs to begin
0: yeah so I'm a big golfer there's a lot of private courses United States has the most golf courses in the world and I just wish there was more access to some of these nice clubs obviously those members are paying an arm and a leg to be members there in terms of fees and stuff but I just wonder if there could be a way to have more guests like utilize. Like, there, I'm sure there's empty slots there, but there's a lot of like golf website platforms like Hot Deals. They're trying to just fulfill all the demand last second for a lot of the public courses, but private courses, I'm sure there's empty slots, but they just they're fine with letting them be, I guess, because they can eat up uh, that cost. And also, the more people play on them, the, the more damage they get and they need to maintain them, which is a very expensive thing for courses. But maybe there's other like private memberships that allow guest passes. You know, I know gym memberships and all that they, they have. So if, if you could introduce them as guests so that they can try it out. And if they convert into being a member, like there's some way to uh, monetize that whole like experience. Like, cause right now, if you, you can't just like trial a a private golf club membership. Like, you know, the best way would to just be a guest initially and understand like what the, you know, what the experience is with actual people who play there, see if you like hanging out with them. So it could be, they could be like ambassadors essentially. Maybe that's uh, another word for this, but it was a personal problem. I would love to be a guest at these private golf clubs. If you're in a private golf club, it's, it's very nice. So, I just think it should be for more people.
1: That's that's absolutely fascinating because it's a world I know nothing about, zero. Mm-hmm. So I've never played golf in my life. I've never been to a golf club, so <laughs> I really don't know anything about it. But of course, I look, like, no gyms, <laughs> and like day passes, and bring your friend, whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that golf clubs. I'm very skeptical if golf clubs would agree to something like this because. That's the whole point of it being private, right? If they would like to have guests, they could just offer guest passes or whatever. And yeah, they don't want random people walking around. It has to be, that's the whole value proposition or part of the value proposition that it's private and you don't have like random people running, running around and maybe someone brings a guest once in a while, but it's really a friend of him. And since you only have like these exclusive club of people If they bring a friend, it's, it would probably be fine, right? It will not be some weirdo because their reputation is on the line. So I personally would be very skeptical (laughs) if golf clubs would agree.
0: Yeah. I think I just remembered what, what originally prompted this. So let's say I want to play at this private golf club, but just once, and I'd be willing to pay for that. A one-time fee of let's say $200 for a green fees for the day, just to play there. But I don't know anyone at the club and i can't play there unless a member brings me on as a guest so what if i pay that member that money then he can monetize his membership and kind of subsidize it with these it's kind of like airbnb but with like an experience so like they have access to this exclusive experience and they're kind of allowing people to come on every now and then and he could auction those prices get a good price so and vet them so they're not, like, going to destroy his reputation. Uh, but he could <laughs> pretend he's a friend, right? Like, oh, yeah, he's my uh, uncle's cousin's, like, fifth removed. <laughs> like, yeah. no one knows. And, you know, you'd be making a little bit extra money
1: bringing on some guests occasionally. Until, of course, the golf club finds out uh, that you're listed on this website and then you get kicked out. So, Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. Could still be problematic, I guess. And, yeah, yeah I mean, even with these golf Private golf clubs. My, in my mind, it's rich people, right? They pay a lot of mom, money to become a member. So bribing with them with a few bucks will probably not do do the job, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you would need to pay someone like this in order for them to, yeah, bring you as a as, as a friend, right? I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I think that the both of these last two ideas, they're last for a reason, and <laughs> I mean the the core the core like belief optimistic idea that I want with them is that we're able to extend those inner circles, like just one level beyond. And is there a way to, to smooth those gears of introductions, like either through money or, and it's a, if, if can it be mutually beneficial to both, but yeah, it clearly seems that it's very hard for people in the circle to benefit from bringing someone outside the circle in. I mean, unless they're really truly born to be a part of that circle, like, they uh, continue to and that naturally happens anyways on a a very slow and infrequent basis so yeah maybe it's just a, a very hard thing to ask for in the world like of social circles like but it it seems a bit a bit of a you know an opportunity or some sort of way that I wish that that could be in real life so
1: yeah interesting that you now connected the last two ideas and I hadn't thought about that from that perspective before, that it's really about the same thing, right? Extending your your social circle a little bit, either by someone helping you promote your stuff, bigger influencer marketing, but also bringing you into places you're usually not allowed, which is kind of similar because like a Slack community, private, they bring you there or your product. So it's actually a similar problem you're describing, but the solution is not there Yet, I would say so, but I mean, it's figuring out the problem or finding a good way to phrase the problem is still valuable, right? So, even if you're not have the, the, the solution right now, you can let it marinate in your back of your mind, and probably, or maybe in a few months, in a few years, it will make click and you will see the solution. But yeah, mm-hmm. coming back like to your plan, you definitely shouldn't start there. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, <laughs> they arrive. For execution just yet. So better to start with something more easy. And just now coming back to like your whole list, your the ones we discussed in the last episode and the ones we discussed in this episode, have you made up your mind what you will do? Because execution is everything, right? Talk is cheap. And eventually you just have to pick one and go with it. So staying in the ideation phase too long is probably the most harmful way uh, thing you can do compared to um, executing on a bad idea so mm-hmm. I'm really curious what your thoughts now are if you've made any kind of decision or at least like have a preference towards one or two ideas
0: yeah I am I have more fire under my butt for the the speed runs idea for sure and probably just you know crank out a landing page real quick well you know I have the holiday today and at least give give it a go. I don't know where I would start there. I guess try to reach out to those experts, the, the, those racers
1: first, people who have unique workflows. I mean, um, I will send you the link to the Net Elias tweet because oh, yeah. um, lots of people start attacking people in there, and oh, nice. you could start like use this as a list. Just just reach out to them, and it costs nothing to send a DM. And if no one in that niche is interesting, just move on to the next, right? So mm-hmm. you can try with YouTubers, with programmers, whatever. There are so many opportunities and you just have to find like one to make it work. So mm-hmm. yeah, keep keep me updated. I For send sure. me an invite to the first event. I want to watch it, yeah. Okay, Thank yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and the most important part, because you mentioned that, what are they called? GDQ, games done mm-hmm. Quick. they have like commentators, right? Yeah. So it's really like a sports event that sounds amazing that yeah, sounds like I the most important piece. Pos- to get a good commenter or i don't know how to pull it off but it sounds like very essential to uh, get this right to make it entertaining and whatever so
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i would love to hear once you're on the next step once you have something ready because i would love to participate but, but i don't have any specialty. so I'm, I'm not good at anything i'm not i'm not a good candidate i would just embarrass myself
0: no <laughs> everyone has their everyone has a unique workflow you have your whole stack your special stack for
1: building websites and that could
0: be in itself its own thing
1: for sure yeah when you do a yeah. special edition for lag stack projects right or <laughs> yeah. land, landing page airtable, gumroad i'm your man but it's probably not the right event to get started because it's very niche
0: <laughs> okay yeah the comments commentating will be hilarious yeah okay tongue-in-cheek
1: yeah i i have to go so mm-hmm. thank you again for for sharing your list and also of course taking the time yeah we really would love to get you back on the show in a few months or weeks whatever to hear about the progress you're making maybe you've made a pivot maybe and this is what happens to me all the time once i start working on something i get like a thousand new ideas so this is at least for me where all the idea generation really happens once you get moving mm. so yeah i mean once you start with the speed runs maybe it will not work out but i'm pretty sure you will get plenty of new ideas and i would love to hear them all right i I appreciate that jacob yeah
0: and i look forward to hearing more of these product idea podcasts i I was just listening to
1: the last one (laughs) one, yeah thank you okay bye-bye
0: all right bye
1: jacob